Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Thank God, it's just a, it's a privilege to be here with you. You know, before I get going, it's, it's so easy after I hear Kurt's testimony just to fire off in preaching. But I, I do want to pause and say a big, big thank you for your very warm welcome both today and over our week here in, in Market Harbour to David and to Deborah and to your leadership team. We feel so blessed to have been with you over this time. It's been absolutely wonderful. And, uh, and we are excited for what Jesus is doing in Living Rock Church. We really are. We believe this is a, a, a wonderful new time, a new season in God. As I prayed for you, I just seen you waves of the Spirit of God just coming upon the church. It is a new season, a season of breakthroughs, a season where things that you've been praying for actually for a long time. Uh, for many of you, you're going to see breakthroughs in this season uh, over things that you haven't yet seen them, but you've been praying a bit like Elijah when you see in 1 Kings 18 and 19, you know, where he's down there in that kind of birth position and he's crying out and he keeps saying to his servant, go up to the and go up, the rains are coming and the, you know, and the servant keeps coming back and says, I can't see anything, I can't. But he says, keep going, keep going, keep going. Finally, the seventh time he sees the cloud the size of a man's hand. Do you know something? When you see the cloud the size of a man's hand doesn't look too impressive, does it? But you know what the thing is? Is that we know our God. When He starts something, He finishes it. And the, the, the power of God is coming afresh upon His church in this day. Breakthroughs are coming. And I believe what you've been crying out for Him, He's coming to do. And it's really an exciting time to be part of Living Rock and to be part of all that He is doing amongst you and through you and in Leicestershire in this time. Praise the Lord. So, glory. I always love, I've got my notes on my phone. Every time I click it, I see my gorgeous wife on there. Sorry, it's, a, it's a little bit of a distraction, but it's a huge <laughs> blessing. Well, it's Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never preached this message before, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm an evangelist, and so the thing is, you always say I've never preached this message before, but you always end up in the gospel. So here we are, you know. But I, I really want to try and, and, and encourage the mums amongst us and the ladies amongst us today. But at the same time, I want to build all of our faith today and encourage all of us in the faithfulness of God, in the greatness of His power towards us who believe. Amen. So can I just pray for a moment and then we'll turn to the Scriptures. Father, we thank You so much for Your presence amongst us this morning. We thank You for Your goodness in our lives. And Father, we just pray today that You would touch every single one of our lives, that You would encourage every heart here today. We particularly, Lord, bless the mums amongst us and the ladies. We thank You for every one of them. We honour them, Lord, before You today and pray that You would refresh their hearts and encourage them today. Father God, any who may be struggling with discouragement or, or heaviness or anxiety or issues of life, maybe issues in their body or, or, or Father, in their mental health or other things that may be happening at home. We speak peace, we speak healing, we speak freedom and encouragement into every heart. And we thank You, Lord, for this, this time of new seasons. Lord, this time of outpouring of blessing. And Lord, we just pray, Father, for great breakthroughs. Lord, in everyone's life today, above everything I pray, let not one person leave this place today without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. In Jesus' Name, Amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Well, look, I want to focus today on one aspect of a mother's life that has particularly affected me. You know, I, I was uh, thinking today and, and thinking last night about some of the great blessings of my own mother in my life, her encouragement to me, her love for me, the comfort, you know, as you're growing up in life and as a, as a kid, you know, and sometimes the challenges you go through in life. And she was always there and comforting and encouraging and all of those things were just so wonderful. Her generosity, her patience. I think mums are infinitely patient, especially with little boys. But... Uh, you know, despite all of that, there was one aspect of my mum's life that made a profound impact on me as I was growing up. And that was her worship and her prayer. She was a lavish worshipper of Jesus. She was a woman who heard the voice of God. You know, growing up in my home, my dad was a lover of the Scriptures and a lover of prayer. He was always in the Word and always in prayer. In fact, I can't remember a time of my life growing up when my dad wasn't up at half five in the morning in prayer. He had a big library of, of, of books on revival and Scriptures. And, and, I, and so he encouraged me to dip into all of that. And, and I did, and it was wonderful. But you know, when you would sit down at the dinner table, my mum had such an emphasis on the Holy Spirit and worship, and my dad had such an emphasis on prayer and the Word. You know, my mum would sometimes say to me, John, what's the Holy Spirit been saying to you recently? And my dad would say, but John, what does the Word say? You know, and then I, I know there's the Spirit and the Word. I'm so grateful to the Lord for that balance, actually, that... I grew up thinking, you know, these things are just together. And uh, I, I'm so grateful. But her prayer life made a massive impact on me. I, I, I sometimes say to people, I really couldn't get away with anything in my teenage years. She knew exactly where I was <laughs> and exactly what I was up to because she was living close to God. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Are you one of His sheep today? Do you hear His voice? You know, believers' lives are not, you're not quantified as being a follower of Jesus just because you talk to Him, but by the fact that He talks to you. It's a relationship, thank God. But let's turn to the Scriptures together for a moment and have some encouragement of the power of prayer. I want to talk to you today of the power of God that is released through our prayer lives. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Paul the Apostle, writing really to his understudy, as it were, Timothy, he says this, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy. No, that's, sorry, that's the one before. That's 1 Timothy 1, It was underlined in my Bible, so I started. Here we go. Chapter 2. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Do you know you can't thank God for someone and complain about them at the same time? For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God 
and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is of first importance. I urge you, I exhort you to pray with thanksgiving, to supplicate. That word supplicate is even stronger than the word prayer. It really means to cry from the heart, to pour out from the heart. Do you know, sometimes I've found it in my own life over the years and in, 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 in the lives of, of many believers that actually very often we live with what we tolerate. We live with what we tolerate. But when we get to a place where finally we become thirsty for God, we become desperate for a miracle and we start to cry to Him from our hearts, God begins to break through. God begins to move. He answers the cry of the desperate. Derek Prince always used to say, deliverance is for the desperate. And let me just say to you today, if you need a miracle in this place, are you desperate for it? Do you want a miracle from Jesus? He's here for you tonight. Tonight, that's on automatic pilot because I'm tired. I do a lot of preaching at night. This morning, <laughs> I was actually preaching on the Isle of Wight and I can remember one time in a meeting just like this, in the middle of the preach, a man suddenly got up and walked forward and took his hearing aids out, put them in his hand in front of me and said to me, Jonathan, I am fed up of these. In the middle of the message. You know, that is desperation. I can remember I said to him, right, we're going to pray for you. I like your attitude. Let's pray. I reached out, I touched his ears and I commanded them to open. Now we see a lot of deaf ears open in response to prayer. But at that moment, his deaf ears didn't open. So I thought the best thing to do was to encourage him just to get on his knees and worship God. So I said, listen, just get down on your knees and worship God because when you draw near to God, He draws near to you. And I felt as He worships, I said to Him, when the presence of God gets stronger, I'll be back because the anointing breaks the yoke and Jesus will bring you healing. So I went on and, uh, you know, I thought I might as well, and He's interrupted the preacher, I might as well just go ahead and give the appeal and minister. And that's what I did. And loads of people responded. And actually I carried on praying, but I totally forgot about Him. About a whole hour and 20 minutes went by. And eventually I suddenly looked back and I, and I suddenly saw the guy. I said, oh no, I forgot the fellow. He's down there and he's worshipping. He's totally lost in worship. Tears pouring down his cheeks. And I thought to myself, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. I, I got down there on my knees and we worshipped God together. And while he was worshipping, and I was worshipping, suddenly I felt the presence of God just rain down on him. And I thought, this is the moment. I reached up, touched his ears, and they instantly opened. Now here's the thing, is that, you know, this morning, we've had some wonderful praise and worship. Do you thank God for these guys? Wonderful. And you know, I, I was a worship leader before I was a preacher. And, you know, I used to be able to hear, you know, I could hear if somebody was singing off tune three or four rows back, you know. And so I, I was like that, um, you know, and I'm only telling you this for this reason, is that church that day, the best I could say is it was a joyful sound. Uh, I mean, the guitar was out of tune with itself. The singers, were, some of the singers were out of tune. The guitar was out of tune with the, but anyway, bless their hearts. They love Jesus and they were having a good time. And, and, you know, but I say it for this reason, 
I will never forget that man's healing the moment he was healed because the moment his ears opened, this was the first thing he said. Oh, he said, that beautiful music. (laughs) I remember I said, well, (laughs) I thought, I guess if you haven't heard anything for a while, anything's good, you know, but... But the wonderful thing is he actually went back to the specialist that week and, you know, the specialist examined him because they had said to him within three months he would be stone deaf and he would never, ever hear again. There was nothing more they could do for him. But he went back and the specialist said, well, I just don't know what to make of this, but you have 100% perfect hearing. I I, I saw him about uh, just last year and actually it's 20 years ago that miracle happened. He's still hearing perfectly today. That's our Jesus. Deliverance is for the desperate. Jesus answers the prayers of those who cry out to Him. Many years ago in our nation, a famous American lady preacher called Jean Darnell said that England would be saved by praying women. I thought, well, that's a great prayer. I must admit, I thought, well, my goodness me, where are the men? But nonetheless, I thank God for praying ladies. And for mums, especially that pray and cry out to God for their kids. Because God answers the prayers of praying women and praying men. I want to encourage you. But you know, many a great man or woman of God has been shaped by the faithful prayers of a God-fearing mother who's persistent and crying out to God. Let's turn to Luke chapter 18 for a moment, verse 1 to 8. And be encouraged this passage is a passage where Jesus encourages us not to give up in prayer, but to be persistent. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. When he uses, when he says men ought always to pray, uh, you know, I once heard a preacher say, he said men because he knew the women would anyway. (laughs) saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now I come from a family of lawyers. I've done a bit of legal work in the past myself. And I can tell you something, the kind, the kind of judge you don't want to stand before is a judge who doesn't care anything about you, doesn't care about people and really has no respect for God either. That's really not the kind of judge you want to stand before. Is now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest, now listen to this, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? The context tells us the kind of faith that he is talking about is faith that perseveres. Faith that doesn't give up. The writer to the Hebrew said in Hebrews 6, 11 and 12, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Patience is the power twin of faith. It's that 
that determination to be consistently constant in prayer, lifting up to God His promises concerning our situations again and again and again until the breakthrough comes. Amen? I I want to illustrate, I don't know why, but these are just different illustrations came to my heart as I was preparing, is that uh, it's another ear one. Uh, I sometimes find when the Holy Spirit does that to me, uh, it's because there's going to be that kind of miracle happening. So if you are here today, you can be healed as the Word is preached. Often happens. You can be healed in the time of ministry following this. But let your faith rise today because Jesus is here. And wherever Jesus is, miracles happen. Well, look, I I was doing a meeting in Canada, in Vancouver, and night after night, the crowds were growing. Night after night, people were coming and Jesus was healing the sick and people were getting saved. And I can remember about the third night in, I was down the front praying, a lot of people at the front, I'm laying hands on people, I'm praying. Suddenly, the pastor's daughter-in-law came forward from the back of the meeting. She pushed through the crowd. She grabbed my right hand and pulled me to herself and then puts, her, puts my hand on her left ear. I, kind of st- I said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, well, now what's going on there? What, what are you doing? And she just said this to me. She said, I don't know what it is today. She says, I'm deaf in my left ear, but I've just got faith to be healed today. I said, well, great. I said, so have I. But then she began to kind of discourage my faith as she began to tell me, T.L. Osborne's prayed for me. She said, um, Oral Roberts has prayed for me. All my faith heroes. You know, I, it kind of really didn't help. Uh, I, I, just, I just said, you know what? It's just, uh, just to encourage you and me. It's a good thing to remember Jesus is the healer, isn't it? I said, so come on, let's just pray. So I, I put my hand in her. I prayed for her. Well, thank God, her ear instantly opened. But here's the thing. This is the story. She then goes to the back. She gets her mobile phone out of her jacket. She comes back to the front, puts it on loudspeakerphone and starts phoning someone. Yeah, she just took over the meeting. I, I, just said, I said, what are you doing now, madam? So she looked at me. She says to me, she, she said, you don't understand. When I was three years old, she was now in her early 30s. When I was three years old, I had cancer in my left ear. In order to stop the cancer going to my brain and killing me, the doctors took me in for an operation and the surgeon cut out the whole of my inner ear. I literally have nothing to hear with, but I can hear you perfectly. She said, this is a creative miracle. She said, but I'm phoning my dad because he's a pastor in the States. Because when I came out of the operation, he and mum made a commitment that at 10 o'clock every night, they would pray for me until Jesus restored my hearing. She said, it's 29 years and it's 10 o'clock. I'm phoning my dad. I said to her, love, the floor is yours. She phones up, we can all hear. You know, you can tell in the tone of people's voice, sometimes where they're at. And so we all went quiet and listened. And as she begins to talk, she says, Dad, and, and Dad answers, says, hello, can I help? He says, Dad, it's me. He says, sweetheart, why are you phoning us at this time of night? He says, well, Dad, aren't you and Mum getting down on your knees to pray for me as you always do at 10? He says, well, absolutely. He said, in fact, your mum and I were just getting down on our knees and when you phoned and to pray for your ear as we always do. And then she goes quiet and says, Dad, I'm listening to you with my left ear. 
And he says, really? He says, yes, Dad, I'm in a meeting in Vancouver. And Jesus has answered your prayer. I'm listening to you, Dad. I'm healed. I'm healed. Suddenly, 29 years of emotion came out at the end of that phone. Tears, followed by shouts of praise and joy. And you know, I, I don't think there was a dry eye in the house that night, including my own. But as I left that meeting that night, I thought to myself, I wonder what would have happened if they gave up after five years, 10 years, 15 years, 29 years on, praying every night at 10 o'clock. And finally, the breakthrough came. I just want to say to you, don't give up. In the words of Winston Churchill, never, never, never give up. Amen? Pray and keep on praying and keep believing. Our God is a God of miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we see it in the lives of so many ladies, men as well, but particularly here on Mum's Day to address a couple of things. You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, isn't she a great example? That when the angel came and said to her that she was going to conceive a son in her womb, and she said, how is this going to be? There's no natural way, no natural understanding. He said, I'm, I'm not married to a man. And he said, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And so that which is born in you, that which is conceived in you, will be called the Son of God. You know, and she said to me, let it be unto me according to your word. She submitted to the purpose of God and she believed the Word of God despite all the natural impossibilities. She believed God above her natural circumstances. The Bible says the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. What a great, great example. And salvation came into the world. Hallelujah. Standing on the promises of God, you know, bringing them to Him again and again in prayer is part of an overcomer's life. It's part of an overcomer's life. Whether you're male or female, I felt while I was praying for you over the last few days, I found preparing for this message, I felt the Holy Spirit keep quickening to me a particular Scripture to encourage certain mums today and dads whose children may have become wayward and gone astray. There is a wonderful promise in Isaiah 59, 21, and it says this, This is my covenant with you, says the Lord. My words that are on your lips and my spirit who is upon you will not depart from you nor from your children, nor from your children's children says the Lord, from this time forth and forever. I want to encourage you, you know, when somebody has prayed to ask Christ into their heart, this is a remarkable thing. But in 1 John chapter 3, the Apostle John says these incredible words. Whoever has been born of God cannot, the Greek is in the imperative, it's a double phrase, cannot, cannot, Continue in sin because the seed of God remains in him and he has been born of God. He didn't say they will not. He said they cannot. 
There is a remarkable power in the seed of God's Word. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been walking down the high street somewhere and, you know, and, and, and as you've walked along, seen maybe a, maybe a concrete slab and you see a crack in the slab and then you see a, you know, a little green shoot coming up between the crack. And you look at that, and every time I look at that, I think it's an amazing preacher's illustration. But I, I look at it and I stop for a moment and it amazes me as I consider the power of the seed. Yes. Yes. That's right. yes. 1 Peter 1.23 says, We are born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. It is the DNA of God. It's the, it's, it imparts the divine nature into our hearts. You know, Christianity in its essence, of course, is not about a God trying to change us by rules imposed from the outside in, but by the receiving of a new life and a new nature that changes us from the inside out. If any man or woman is in Christ, they are a new creation. All things are passed away and all things become new. There is a power that comes into us that changes our lives that we don't want to do certain things anymore. I don't know, uh, you know about you, but um, uh, it seems to me as you go on with the Lord and the more and more His life inside of you grows and develops as you're walking with Jesus, you know, He just changes you and it seems a bit like the road as you're following Him becomes a bit narrower and your life starts getting purer and more committed to Christ as you go on and sometimes you look back at your life and you, you've kind of forgotten about some of the stuff that used to, you used to think was all right. But, you know, I can remember a few years ago, I said I had, I had one of our, you know, sometimes we have a family night and we just, you know, let one of the lads choose a movie or I choose a movie or something, and popcorn comes out, whatever else. And, and, and I can remember this particular Friday night, uh, we got the, I got my boys around. We're all boys, it's all boys in our house, you know, than my, my wonderful, patient wife, you know. But, you know, there we are, we're sitting together. I said to the boys, tonight it's dad's night to choose a movie. And I said, I want to show you this movie that I watched when I was a kid. Oh, it's so good. It's really exciting. I, I had just great memories of this wonderful movie, you know. And I put it on and the guys all sat down very expectant to see the movies dad used to love to watch. And so it starts going. And after about 15, 20 minutes, certain things start coming up in the movie. You know, certain profanity and certain risky kind of... And we're looking at that and I'm saying, I don't remember that. You know, and the boys are saying, Dad, you know. I, I, I think we better turn that one off. <laughs> and I, I suddenly think to myself, do you know what? It's amazing how Jesus' life in us changes us as we go on. And things that seemed acceptable in those early days suddenly are no longer acceptable because Christ has changed us inside. Thank God for the incorruptible power of the seed of God in our lives. And I want to encourage you, you know, if it seems like your kids are, uh, are miles away from God right now, very often when we're on the streets, you know, we just bump into people and say, Yo, you know, well, actually, uh, yeah, I was in church years ago, you know, my mum and my dad and and there we are, and we're with them. And I said, and I'm sure they're praying for you. And we end up leading them to Christ. And, and do you know what? 
all the way in our nation. God is doing something in our nation today. I have never, I've been full-time for 34 years in our country. I have never seen so many Christians on the streets of the United Kingdom telling people about Jesus, healing the sick. God is on the move in our land. And I tell you what, if you need to catch up with what He's doing, just catch up. But this is a time of change. God is changing the gears and He's turning the church inside out. And I tell you what, He is sending laborers for the harvest out there for your son, your daughter, your grandmother, your grandson, your granddaughter. And Jesus is moving in our nation and they are coming home in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. You know, knowing God's faithfulness in answering prayer makes us positive people who expect Him to bring the best out of any situation. And I, I came across a story, just came up actually on my feed, on my email feed. Uh, last week, I thought I would share it. Um, I, I often do some radio work for UCB and uh, United Christian Broadcasters. And, and uh, anyway, they just put this out last week. It really it was an encouragement. And I want to encourage the ladies amongst us, as well as the guys, to embrace again the power of prayer. Here's this wonderful story true story about the famous American evangelist D.L. Moody. He began this account by quoting from James chapter 5, verse 16 in the New Century Version. It says, When a believing person prays, great things happen. While holidaying in England, D.L. Moody visited a London church that was spiritually dead. The pastor recognised him and asked him to preach at the morning service. Reluctantly, Moody agreed. Afterwards, he told a friend the congregation was so unresponsive, it obviously wasn't Living Rock Church, anyway, but was so unresponsive, it was all he could do to finish his sermon. Later, he remembered he had committed to preach there again that night. Wishing he had never interrupted his holiday plans, he spent the afternoon dreading what was ahead. But behind the scenes, something was happening that Moody knew nothing about. After the morning service, an elderly lady met her invalid sister for lunch and told her about Moody's upcoming visit. Her sister's eyes lit up and she exclaimed, I've been praying that God would send Moody to England. Put away the lunch, sis. We'll spend the afternoon fasting and praying for tonight's service. When Moody took the pulpit that night, an electric sense of God's presence filled the sanctuary. He preached like a man on fire. And when he issued an inv invitation for people to follow Christ, 500 people responded. Thinking they had misunderstood, Moody had them sit down while he re-explained the gospel call. But when he issued a second invitation, the same 500 stood to receive Christ. That Sunday initiated one of the greatest revivals ever to sweep England. What helped make it happen? Two elderly ladies who understood their church desperately needed the fire of God's Spirit. They believed God's promise that when a believing person prays, great things happen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. My, I want to say to you today, you know, Jesus has a deeply compassionate heart towards the broken, towards the sick, towards the oppressed, towards the lost. 
Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, to set the captive free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That's restoration. Do you know, pretty much all theologians agree that at that point, Jesus was referring to the year of Jubilee that happened every 50 years in Israel's calendar, where everything that had been lost would be restored to its original owners. Do you know, the the biblical understanding of restoration is not just about a restoration of what you've lost, but is actually a restoration to where you would have been if you had never done that thing, lost that thing, things gone wrong, made that wrong choice in the first place. I want you to know for some people today, the Lord is speaking to you that He is restoring the years that the locust has eaten. This is His time for you. This is a time of restoration. Some of you feel, I know in my heart, I hear it, that some of you actually say on the inside of yourself, I so wish that God would do this in my life or that He would use me as I thought He would in earlier years, but I did this or this went wrong. I went through divorce or I went through that or something went wrong. God can never do with my life today what I thought He wanted to do all those years ago. I want you to know these are days of restoration. I believe that revival is on the doorstep and it's going to need all hands on deck. This is a time to be restored. Don't count yourself out. Don't hold yourself back, but let go of the past. Let go of the regrets of the past. Let go of the sins of the past. Forgive those who have hurt you and hurt your family and those and your loved ones. Remember the cross. Remember that when Jesus died, He died not only for our sins, but even for the sins committed against us and against our loved ones. I can tell you the numbers of people I've prayed for over the years who suffer with arthritis. And the Bible says that bitterness dries the bones. And actually what we've had to do is to lead them to a place where they would choose to forgive those who have hurt them. And then we've prayed And following the prayer, the joints have come free. The pain has all gone. Do you know something? You and I, our bodies and our minds and our emotions, they were not created by God to cope with the trauma of bitterness, guilt, shame, all of those things. Jesus is calling you to lay those things down today, to receive forgiveness and to give forgiveness to make a choice. I've seen so many addicts set free over the years. So many people who've even gone into witchcraft and stuff because rebellion leads to witchcraft. But so often rebellion, sometimes it's a root all of its own in someone's life. But other times rebellion is there because of a wound of rejection that is unresolved because there was no connection with dad. There was no connection with mom, And so it carries on and it just gives birth to looking for comfort and looking for your satisfaction in all the wrong places. And it begins a cycle of pain and addiction and regret. And so it goes on and so it goes on. And you can never get free actually until you finally, there's two things you have to deal with. If you really want to be free, let me say this to you. Over many years of praying for people to be set free, I've learned this. 
There are two roots in your life you have to deal with. One is rejection and the other is rebellion. Rejection and rebellion. They're the two roots that just keep spiraling bondage in people's lives. But if you want to be free today, choose to forgive. Receive His love and His healing. Submit to God and and God-ordained authority and yield your life to Jesus and let Him come in and heal that broken place and break that chain and set you free. Today is a time of freedom for each and every one. Guys, I, I just want to really wrap this up today by saying, you know, sometimes I meet people, they, they, they hear all of these testimonies of freedom and healing and all the rest of it. And, and they just say, you know, that's fantastic, John. But the truth is, I've got a very good life. You know, I'm, all is good and all is one. And I'm quite content and satisfied and all is fine. Do you know, life can seem really comfortable, really good. And all seems to be going well. Do you know Jesus said that if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul, what does it profit you? I came across this just about a month ago and it really spoke to me. It's a true story. It's not a Christian one, but it really speaks. Let me just share this with you and then we're going to close and pray. American rifle shooter Matt Emmons was one shot away from winning his second gold medal at the 2004 Olympic Games. He was so far ahead, his bullet just needed to hit the target. Anywhere. With nerves of steel, he took a deep breath and he pulled the trigger. Bullseye. But when Emmons looked at the scoreboard, no lights appeared. Nothing registered. The judges came over and questions were asked. Did the gun misfire? Was the scoreboard broken? None of the above. It turns out that Emmons hit the wrong target. Standing in lane two, he had fired at the target for lane three. He couldn't have been more accurate, but all in the wrong direction. Wow. I wonder today how you define success in your life. You were made to know God. I sometimes say to guys out on the streets, God created man with a relationship with himself, with a community and with a job to do. And whenever one of those things goes wrong, something goes wrong in your life. But you know, you can have a great wife, a great husband. You can have wonderful children, a great family and a great job. But still on the inside, that nagging sense that something is missing. Do you know the Bible makes it so clear God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. You and I were made for a relationship with God, but there is something that stands in between us and God, and it's called sin. Everyone, the Bible tells us, everyone has sinned. It's very easy to prove. Is there anyone here this morning who's never, ever done anything wrong in thought, word, or deed? Never, never, ever had a bad attitude, a wrong thought, never said anything wrong, never done anything wrong. Is there anybody? Anyone? Anyone? It'd be amazing to meet you. 
Actually, there's only one man, one person like that in the history of the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. He was the only one qualified to die in your place and mine, the innocent for the guilty. We're coming up to Easter. It's a wonderful celebration, and not just for one time of year. It's a 365-day wonder. The God Himself became a man in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, and walked among us and showed us what He is like, forgiving sins, healing the sick, setting people free. He prophesied His own death and His own resurrection three times before He went to the cross. He knew where He was going. Pilate, and history records this as well as the Bible, Pilate, the Roman governor of the day, says this to him, why don't you defend yourself? Why don't you answer your accusers? Don't you realise I have over you the power of life and death? And Jesus says to him, you would have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. And the Bible says that Pilate marveled. No one took Jesus' life from him. He laid it down of his own will as a free offering for you and me, paying the price in full for the sins we have committed. They put him in a tomb. He was there for three days and three nights. And then he rose again from the dead physically rose again from the dead. Let me just tell you this as a personal story. My brother is one of the top lawyers in this country. When he was just, when he had just passed his exams, the Lord Chief Justice of England was interested to see what new talent was coming onto the bar. So he invited a bunch of new guys just to come through and present a short presentation, as it were, in the Royal Courts of Justice in London. After my brother did his presentation, the Lord Chief Justice invited him back into his chambers. And my brother wondered what it was all about. And he said, Paul, he said, I understand. He says that you're a Christian and a real one at that, a born again Christian. He said, yes, your Lordship. He said, but why do you ask? He said, well, listen, just for your encouragement. He said, nothing else. He said, um, it's been my interest over many years to examine the, not only the internal evidence, that's the Bible, but also the external evidence, the secular history evidence of the resurrection of Christ from the dead on that resurrection morning. He said, I just want to say to you, he said, if the evidence, both Christian and secular, was read out in a court here in the United Kingdom of the resurrection of Jesus Christ physically on that Easter morning, if the conclusion made was that Jesus wasn't raised from the dead on that morning, it would be laughed out of court. He says, because the evidence is so strong. He says, all the evidence points to the fact on that third morning, on that Easter morning, Jesus Christ was physically raised from the dead. He said, you ask me, why am I not yet a Christian? He said, let's not have any of this nonsense that it isn't true and that it didn't happen. He said, it did happen. He said, the only reason I'm not a Christian, he said, like many others, is because I like my sin too much. Let's be straight about it. I'm a rebel at heart. But, he said, I just pray 
that the Almighty will have mercy on me that as I'm on my last, on my deathbed, on my last minutes, that I'll remember to pray that prayer and trust that he gives me mercy. The problem with that approach I've experienced over many years of ministry, I watch God come to people at different times in their life. Very often, when they're a little child and they go to Sunday school or a grandparent tells them about Jesus, but maybe they harden their heart. Time goes on. They're in secondary school and some of their friends become Christians, start going to the Christian union, but they harden their heart. Time goes on and they get married and they have children. When that little child is born, they're overwhelmed. with The awareness there has to be a creator, but they harden their heart. Time goes on. And let me tell you, the trouble is, tomorrow never comes. And eventually they come to that final moment where they've conditioned their heart to say no to God. There is an eternity to come. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to avoid. And I want you to know right now, today, you, no one is guaranteed their tomorrow. But this is the day of salvation. Today is the time. And whether you actually have never given your life to Christ or whether actually you gave your life to Jesus years ago, but you know you've not been living the life and you need to come back to the Lord, now is your moment. I wonder right now if we could just for a few moments out of respect for God, just bow our heads and close our eyes in the presence of God. He's here. He's here for every one of us and He's drawing near to you. You are here by divine appointment today and He's reaching out to you. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.